0: welcome to inbound agency journey this is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies shortcomings and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency now here are your hosts andrew and gray Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. This week, I am here with Sean Sweet from Blend Marketing in the UK. Sean, welcome to the podcast, man.
1: Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you here. You guys are a HubSpot Platinum partner, if I'm not mistaken. And I'd love to hear where Blend came from, kind of the background on Blend. Um, and then we'll dive into where you guys are today after that. But but how did this thing get started? and uh, And where do you figure in?
1: Um, so, we started as a uh, design led agency back in 2010. And uh, we were like a lot of other agencies, really. We were producing event materials. We were doing anything, really, to uh, help them with their marketing. We weren't very strategic in what we were doing. Uh, we were just trying to get one project after another and stay in business. So, uh, <laughs>
0: that sounds familiar. That's,
1: yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, where a lot of businesses come from. But we grew. Right organically and we grew quite quickly initially but um churn of customers and so on was quite uh was quite um damaging to our business and we had to have a real rethink about three years ago yeah
0: nice so is was it three years ago at what point do you guys um join the hubspot partner program and start kind of diving into inbound as well and were there any pivots before you got to that point or what's the story to to get us to where you are today
1: um, I'd like to say that we were, um, we were really thoughtful in the way we got involved in inbound but, uh, and strategic, but we weren't. We sort of fell into it by mistake. And um, there, was, there was something that happened in the business. We had a, uh, our salesperson, our only salesperson, left. And um, as we were going through the process of uh, taking someone on to replace them, we wondered if there was a better way of generating leads. And that's when we started really looking around for something. We found HubSpot. We found a a few things, but HubSpot jumped out as being uh, the best product for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we decided to start using it for ourselves. So uh, not as a a partner to sell it to our clients, but to use it for our own marketing. And uh, it wasn't until we actually started getting under the hood until we started using it to generate our own leads, that we realized it was, could potentially solve so many problems for our existing client base. Um, and so our, our entry into the, into the partner program with HubSpot was, um, uh, was by chance, really, um, not by design. It just made sense to be on the partner program when, when we were adding people to, uh, uh, to HubSpot or persuading them to come over. We might as well get commission for it, right? Right. <laughs> so that, that was really how our journey with HubSpot um, began. It was, um, it was probably like a lot of
0: other businesses. I don't, I don't know if you know this, Sean, you probably knew being connected in the HubSpot space, but that um, transition is the same exact story as a lot of other top HubSpot partners where they didn't join the HubSpot, they didn't join the partner program as they're onboarding the HubSpot, but they actually bought HubSpot, used it internally, realized what it could do, and then from that personal experience, wanted to bring it to their clients who they were serving and join the HubSpot partner program at that point. And that... Um, that's not the way that our agency, GuavaBox, got in. We actually joined the partner program. We were looking for um, what we knew we wanted to deliver inbound services to our clients. um, And we were also looking for something that was going to help us and kind of guide us along the way of doing that internally for us. But we joined the HubSpot partner program at the same time that we became customers of HubSpot. Um, So that wasn't our journey, but a lot of the top HubSpot partners have gone through that same journey that you guys went through. Uh, And I'm, I'm curious, um, what was, like, what were the tools when you got on board with HubSpot or what was, what was your experience? Like, was it, did you put your website on HubSpot? Probably at that point you might've been even pre-COS or close to that, or was it a lot of blogging, content creation and landing pages, forms, lead generation stuff? What, what was helpful for you guys and, and really flip the switch?
1: I think you kind of just answered answered the question for me um, in in a way. So um, it was about two and a half years ago, uh, and so the COS was around, but it's very early um, stages, I believe. Uh, Our I think like a lot of other companies, our website was on WordPress, and um, and we got involved with HubSpot because we believe that uh, if we created content, we were already blogging at the time, but we didn't we didn't know why particularly, but. um, We realized that this was going to be a great place to have our data, to be able to build landing pages quickly and efficiently, um, to have our blog sitting there and uh, to create calls to action and all the other good stuff. Uh, We totally bought into the whole inbound methodology. We we totally got it and we loved it. Um, But we didn't move our website onto the um, platform until later. Um, And I think in retrospect, I'm kind of glad we did it that way around because it wasn't until we moved our website onto the HubSpot platform that we realised what an important um, piece of the whole equation the website really is, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it wasn't until then that we started looking at our clients where maybe we were struggling to get some um, the results that we'd hoped for um, with customers, and you know they get a little bit well where are our leads? This is what you sold us. It wasn't until we moved our own website on there and our leads uh suddenly sort of opened up the arteries of uh, lead generation for us. Right. Um, uh, we realized that it was how important it was uh, for our clients to have a good website built with inbound in mind and um, right. residing on the HubSpot COS so that it could actually um, benefit from those ch- the changes in data and having the data sitting beneath it. It wasn't until then that we sort of realized, I'm kind of glad we did it that way around because it just opened our eyes to um, to all the additional possibilities. And now
0: we're
1: developing a lot of websites on the HubSpot COS.
0: That's awesome. So you guys have obviously grown pretty quickly there from first coming on, on board with HubSpot here just a couple of years ago um, to the point now where you're HubSpot, you're uh, Platinum Partners with HubSpot. Um and, and you're a team of 13 right now, which is continuing to grow. What is, as far as, so we can kind of understand blend, um, what's the, I guess, relationship with, with most clients? Are you guys largely inbound retainers or partnership or, or running campaigns and kind of the content uh, creation and promotion side of things? Or on the web design side, is there one one piece that's a lot larger of the business or both... Um, pretty evenly split. How is, uh, how's the agency structured?
1: Um, so 85% of our work is retainer based. Awesome. And we were, we were always a retainer agency actually. And one of the big issues were, was before we got involved with inbound and that regular work you need to do to make, make it work. Um, we were still retainer based and, um, the problem came when you, we would, we, we'd sell someone a number of days, like 10 days and we'd say. Okay, what are you going to do with your 10 days this month? And we'd kind of make stuff up with the clients. And after a while, they go, we're kind of trying to find things to do rather than doing things for a reason. And um, we would churn clients at that point. HubSpot—it makes much more sense um, to be on a retainer. So our retainer model worked so much better when we moved to HubSpot. Uh, it was—it um, was really good to see actually. And um, so 85% of our work is retainer-based, which is great from a cash flow point of view and a planning point of view. It means you can recruit with much more confidence and we're going to be 15 people by the middle of july we anticipate being 20 people by the end of the year so you know we are we're growing quite quickly um in terms of um website development uh maybe half a third of our clients we've developed websites for so far i anticipate that rising um rapidly when people see the benefits of uh, of having that on the um on the portal
0: right Right. That makes a lot of sense. Well, so in terms of um, what you guys are doing in your uh, inbound marketing retainers, is it a lot of uh, content creation? Uh, Obviously, I'm sure you've got a strategy in just getting kind of the engine built or getting things set up on the front end, and there's some ongoing analysis and strategy pieces. Is it a lot of uh, content creation? Where you're blogging, creating content, offers, landing pages, all that stuff um, during the retainers, or is there anything kind of outside of what what we might think of as like the traditional inbound scope that you guys are doing differently uh, in those packages?
1: I think um, we're trying to subscribe to the agile methodology, so so we uh, will perform a variety of functions for our clients within the retainer amount that they're. Uh, retaining us for. So yes, there is a lot of traditional work uh, like blog production, eBooks, the usual stuff you'd imagine. Uh, We're starting to cut a bit more video now uh, for clients as well, and we're doing that internally. Um, But we try and do the most appropriate work in any given months and that can change. So if we have four really good pieces of content operating on a client's portal, we don't really see uh, the need to have more what we do see the need um, to do is drive more traffic to good conversion right. content. And so we'll at that point, we'll start putting much more energy into uh, blogging, into um, social um, media activities, more and more into paid activities. So uh, content promotion via LinkedIn, uh, retargeting via Facebook, um, some of our technical, because we specialize in the tech space. So we're starting to use Reddit a lot in terms of outreach. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, we're spreading our wings as, as we go. Um, it really depends where uh, I should say actually that um, all of our retainer clients now, we're starting with um, strategy with them so we don't do anything until we've done a full strategy piece for them because we want to find out where they we want to find out where their customers are hanging out so, so that we can put that content in front of them in the most appropriate place. And I think if you don't do that, then you are really, um, you know, there's the potential to waste your client's money. Um, right. We're quite commercially driven. We want to get the right results. We don't necessarily want a heap of traffic to a website. That's not useful. Uh, we want to get the right traffic to a website. So the conversion rates are better uh, and they, their SEO performance is better as a result.
0: Right. Well, I want to come back to um, this, the, what you do strategy-wise on the front end, and then a little bit of the agile process that you guys are going through. But before we do that, I want to just highlight one thing that you just brought up, which is that a lot of agencies, a common mistake in the inbound space is the thought of, well, in our contract, we said we were going to do one uh, new content offer or conversion offer each month or each quarter, whatever it is. So we're just going to keep cranking those out and and maintain the same consistency of everything else because that's what we agreed to instead of the realization that for the funnel to work, it it can be really simple and work really well. And your goal is to get something there that works and then drive as much traffic to that and as many qualified opportunities into that. So I love that uh, that's the approach that you guys are taking. And I was just having this conversation with a young agency owner the other day, um, where they just kept building out content offers. And I think they had like 20 or, or 30 different content offers, um, but but the traffic that was there, there's like 5000 visits a month to the site so like at that point you need like three or four content offers in a lot of cases and you just need to spend all the rest of that time and energy uh driving the right people there whether that's through uh blogging or whether that's through like like you mentioned being on Reddit whatever whatever works or paid acquisition um but don't keep building out content offers when there's four of them that have ninety percent of the impact and are those are the ones that convert well. So I love that point and that that approach.
1: Yeah, I'll I just add to that that um, having the approach where you say, you know, in any one month we're going to create one content offer, uh, four blog posts, uh, twenty social media messages. When you say to a client that that's what you're going to do and it's almost set in stone, then that's what they expect. So even, right. even if it doesn't make sense to create another blog post, you miss that blog post, they're going to be down on you. And yep. um, and, and, and that could be really detrimental to the results that they um, get. And if they're not getting the results, they're going to be down on you again. So um, really it's about doing the most – it's just taking a common sense approach to um, and thinking about why you're doing stuff.
0: Right, right, the strategic value. So speaking of strategy on the front end, um, when you're doing that strategic piece, is that part of, I guess this kind of goes to the sales process as well. How are you selling, are you selling like a 12 month or a month to month agreement or is that strategy piece um, its own project, like a discovery project on the front end, whether that's uh five or 10 or 15,000, whatever the, whatever the price point is, is that its own piece or is that integrated into the retainer agreement?
1: Um, actually it's its own piece. Um, so, we've tried this a number of ways, and uh, I'm sure it works differently for different agencies, depending on your history and how you're sort of geared sales wise. Uh, but what we do is we, um, we sell a strategy, a 30 day strategy up front. If the customer's not willing to pay for it, then we, can't, we don't really feel that they're buying into the whole process anyway, so we don't want to work with them. So, a 30 day strategy is a, is a, a must. Um, and at the end of that strategy, we present them with a number of programs that they could run with, depending on their budget, and they can pick one. And uh, invariably, they do. And those are twelve-month agreements.
0: Yep. Okay, that makes sense. And that's that's what more and more people have have gone to. And a ton of agencies in the HubSpot partner program specifically don't start with that because HubSpot obviously is interested in selling annual subscription software and teaching people to sell annual subscriptions, which is starting to change in some of their training, but um, but a lot of agencies wind up figuring that out or or learning from that. So with those packages that the, that you're then presenting, you mentioned agile, and one of the things that's gone along with that for uh, for a handful of agencies has been adopting like a points-based pricing model. Um, some folks have not not gone points. Some people have done hours. Some people have done it. There's a lot of different ways of handling it. Um, how are you kind of outlining or communicating the value or I guess just mean figuring out if we are doing agile, what's the cap on what we give people for what, uh, for what value they're paying. Um, do you guys use points or do you use hours or deliverables or how do you structure those packages?
1: Yeah, we use, um, points and, okay. uh, I didn't really get points. But I was lucky enough to spend a week with uh, square two marketing, mm-hmm. um, who are not too far away from you. um, last year, and uh, learned an awful lot from the week uh, that I had out there, and uh, one of the things that they were talking about were, was points, and I didn't get it at all. I just couldn't get my head around, you know, points, why don't you just use hours? It wasn't until we started using them here um, as part of our uh, arranging our month, prints uh, that I realized the value in points, and I suppose the value is that a customer uh, will start thinking about um, the points in terms of how much work they're going to get. They stop they sweating about whether that blog post took you two hours or six hours. They know that blog post might cost them five points. So how many blog posts can you do uh, within my um, retainer agreement? Because I'm buying 45 points from you as, as an example. Uh, and so it made it much easier for us to A, um, plan our capacity with our team um, and uh, our velocity as well. Um, and uh, it made it much easier for the customers to understand what we were doing for them. And then reporting at the end of a month on what we did and what we plan on doing uh, became easier again. So it's just easier all round to say they got 45 points, we've got this menu of um, points charges depending on whether you're creating a new um, landing page, a web page, if you're producing a new workflow on the hospital portal, uh, we know we assign points to those um, tasks. And so we know whether we can do it as a team. So there are, you know, thirteen people who are actually doing the work here. Uh, we know how many points that they have uh, tied to them, and so we know our capacity as a, as an organisation. So points have been a revelation to me, um, and it's certainly allowed us to uh, uh, to operate more efficiently. I mean, not just to make sure we don't underserve our clients, but to make sure we don't overserve them as well, because that can be a real problem. Uh, the ones that shout the loudest obviously get more. Right. Uh, that's bad. That's bad for a uh, business really, right?
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And that's helpful to hear your experience with that and what you guys have gone through in terms of the way that the team is structured to service those accounts. This is kind of another thing that I'm always curious about talking with agencies who are doing agile. Are you, obviously there's some agencies who have like a, a pod model or little, little teams who are servicing a set number of accounts. Um, how do you guys structure with 13 people now and obviously that growing, how do you structure who manages and works on accounts? Is it kind of all hands on deck or is it uh, pods or some hybrid or combination of, of those models?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we, um, we started with one hive, um, yep. and, uh, it's quite an interesting time around these parts because, uh, we're in the process of splitting into two, uh, because that one hive we're looking after an awful lot of clients. And so was, yeah, as you put it, all hands on deck, uh, yep. But that's, that's not really good because you suddenly hear about a client and you go, oh, yeah, I remember that. You, know, right. you suddenly talk about so many clients that uh, it's hard to manage that many, um, however big your hive is because you, you need certain areas of responsibility. So we're splitting into two hives now and we're dividing our clients uh, between those hives. And um, each hive will have the, the core elements uh, because we have everyone in the house. Everyone sits on the one roof. Uh, but they'll all have the core elements of strategy, coordination, design, development, and writing uh, that we need. Um, and so they can look after and be responsible for uh, a set number of clients. And also because we use points, we know what their capacity will be, and we'll know what they need to deliver on a monthly basis uh, without us getting too factory-like, you know, because um, again, if you're running points, you've got to be careful to uh, treat people like humans and not um, right, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> which which is a difficult balance to um to tread especially when we use jira as a project management software and mm-hmm. that's that's been really good for us because you can you know people can see what they've got to get through but it can feel like being on a bit of a uh, treadmill so you know we've got to take people to the pub quite regularly just to get them through it
0: right right no that's a, that's a good point i think that uh keeping things human and not just looking at uh looking at people or it can be easy, I think, to kind of get into seeing people as a resource bucket of uh, points capacity on a weekly basis. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Well, I have, I have two more questions for you, Sean, one is around um, areas of improvement, um, whether it's addressing current weaknesses at the agency or taking advantage of kind of an opportunity or gap you see in the marketplace right now. Is there anything here in the second half of 2017? Um, and beyond that you guys are focused on?
1: Um, at the beginning, well, at the end of last year, um, we have an annual wrap-up of uh, how we've done, and what we could have done better, and what we want to do next year, and so on. So we set a variety of goals. I think one of our goals is to try and become a diamond partner for HubSpot because there's only one other in the UK currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's quite a tall order. Obviously, so you've got to look after a lot of clients. I suppose our big challenge is to grow with sales, but still maintain the quality of service for our customers. Because we want to grow. Uh, We want to grow as quickly as we can, but we don't want to lose sight of looking after the customers who kind of got us where we are. So it's it's that balance, which is the real challenge we're facing. Um, And of course, you know, to really look after customers well, you need to be organized. You need processes in place. You need a good team of people. But also, as a youngish agency, our rates are not massively high. So, you know, when you take on new members of staff to beef up your team, you're kind of eating into your own bottom line. So, you know, it's basically you investing back in your business. And um, we're doing a lot of that at the moment to make sure we're delivering good service to our customers.
0: Right, right. Now, that makes a lot of sense, I think, balancing, trying to scale with the quality of that that service is tough, especially when you're you're adding people. And obviously, that relies a lot on... Uh, the culture that you have internally and the ability to bring new people into the fold and also kind of the processes and systems that you have built out ahead of time to enable you to to bring people in and integrate them relatively seamlessly. So that makes a lot of sense. My, my kind of last, and this is more of a technical tactical type question, but outside of HubSpot, are there any tools that you guys are using either internally or in servicing clients that, um, that are kind of the big difference makers, the tools that, that you rely on that. And also I guess bonus points here, if it's something that maybe would be lesser known or not, everyone is using. So maybe not Slack or, or Google apps or whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: um, oh, I think like because Slack the, uh... was the first one that you thought of.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I did think of Slack because we do use it. It's, um, yep. it's been, Great, we have a lot of channels, and you know, so it, it matches the way we work. And I've mentioned Jira, obviously, and I think a lot of agencies will be using products like these. We went through a lot of pain trying to pick the products that we now work with, mm-hmm. a lot of pain, and spent a lot of money getting it wrong. Um, but we're very happy with the tools that we've um, uh, landed on Slack for communicating um, with our with some of our customers, and certainly internally, um, we use Trello uh for some planning um again when we're communicating with customers trailer is quite nice for them to uh, to be able to use um and go to meeting so we're working with more and more overseas clients from the us Mm -hmm. norway australia hopefully france um and that means that we're having to do a lot of our strategy sessions um via you know a a meeting app and uh, we're using go to meeting we found it very very good um but I don't think we're using anything that isn't um, widely known currently. Right. So after four bonus points.
0: No, that's no, that's that's always helpful, and so you can earn back some of those bonus points. I have one follow-up question on on the Slack thing here. So I have talked with and uh, personally have used Slack on client projects before with with clients. Is that um, are there any Tips or uh, anything that you guys have learned, or maybe maybe even guidelines for when to set it up for working with clients, or when not to, around using Slack uh, to directly communicate with your actual clients.
1: If there's one piece of advice I could give you or anyone, it would be don't do it uh, because Slack is like a direct way in to your organization for a client, and some yep. clients, you know, just think the minute they Slack you, they expect a response. Um, so uh, we, we try to now limit our clients to email because the expectation isn't for an instant response. And we used to find it the same with, um, uh, with Skype, people Skype messaging members of the team. And it's, you know, you could be working on anything and that pops up in your screen and it takes your attention away and you feel like it's urgent and you, it's like a ringing phone, you've got to answer it. And uh, actually that's very disruptive, um, especially to team members. And with Slack, of course, you're opening up your whole organization potentially Right. That your customers to talk to anyone, and not that we want to hide our people from our customers necessarily, but we do want to control that communication because it's not always good. You know, if the calls are going into the studio when they're busy working on stuff that takes concentration. So, yeah, I would I would avoid it actually.
0: I'm I'm so glad you said that, and that's something that I'm really curious to know. Um, the way that we have structured, we've never done it with a retainer client, um, and only in a couple like. Heavily accelerated large website projects where we basically have team members who are working, uh, you know, large portions of their day for, for a month or two months at a time, directly with the client to speed up some of the communication. But you're exactly right; it's a direct line in, and unless you want to look like you're constantly away and change your status to away and not be interrupted by it, it, it definitely will interrupt what you're doing. So I'm curious yeah. to see whether whether people figure out a way to do that effectively with clients and manage expectations because I think that you hit on the key there it's just a total different expectation when you're slacking somebody versus email people understand that you may not get an email response for four or eight hours or yeah you know there's a different level of response time that's kind of the status quo on on different platforms so that's helpful
1: yeah I think you've got to hang tough uh, and push back um, on on a client then just make make them aware that it can be it can be disruptive and obviously clients clients, they're paying your bills, right? They're in charge to a certain extent. Yep. And um, so it can be hard to push back, but uh, I think it's really important that you do. What we do do is we um, we share uh, with certain clients our Jira board so that they can see the progress of what we're doing um, and also the points associated with them again so that they can see how they're, they're getting used. And that's um, that's very effective because that's not necessarily a direct communication um, channel, right. but it is a place where they, a bucket where they can uh, where they can drop files, make comments, notes, and the other tool we use, which I didn't mention, is Proof HQ. Um, mm-hmm. So if you've used that, but we found that to be absolutely fantastic. That's
0: awesome. Cool. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming on, for being willing to share. Um, I think that people are going to really benefit from your experience and the lessons that that you shared here. Obviously, based on uh, based on what seven years now of of running an agency. If people have any follow-up questions or just want to connect with you, um, what's the best place for them to do that?
1: Uh, Typically, it'd be email. Um, So it's sean at blendb2b.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Sean, I appreciate your time and you being willing to share. Thanks for coming on. No problem at all. Thanks for
1: having me.